Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Hey, good morning. Indeed, there is a war going on. Thank you, Jesus, for this very beautiful day that you are God, and we pray that your will be done, O oh God, on earth and, and through us and through this time together. In Jesus' name, that, Lord God, we become your servants uh, and the vessels of righteousness, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to be encouraged today. And for those who are listening who are not well, who are sick, who are gathered up with confusion and guilt and fear and physical maladies and broken relationships, Lord, we pray that you give them a heart and be encouraged, that you pour out your spirit of revelation and encouragement upon each one today, the spirit of hope and peace and and, uh, well-being, Father God. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you have already promised us that you would never leave us or forsake us and that that no weapon formed against us would prosper, that you'd keep us from the noise and pestilences and the things that stalk by day and by night, the fiery darts of the evil one, the sickness, the discouragement, the despair, Father God. And I pray today that you'd put up again and keep up the shields of God that would protect and defend your people, the remnant, your broken ones, Lord God, your little ones, your innocent ones, your helpless ones. Protect us, Lord God. Deliver us from evil, as your word says, as the Our Father says, deliver us from the evil one. And Father, I thank you today for giving us now the, the direction and the inspiration and the anointing to do what you've called us to do here. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about the other side of healing. Do you want to be well? You know, for some people, Jerry, that's a dumb question. Maybe when Jesus said that, and we'll go into that passage in John in a minute. But Jesus met this man who was 38 years sick, afflicted. Right. In in John chapter 5, it's a story of the man that was healed at the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. And he asked him a very interesting question, probably what we say the stupid, dumb question. Um, you know, do you want to be well after well, 38 years? Well, right. And, and this the setting is there's there's this pool. It's kind of like a I just kind of picture it's just kind of a big swimming pool. And they had five porches there and it was a feast time uh, in Jerusalem. And so all these people were around the pool mm-hmm. and the the story goes it seems really weird that at a certain time an angel would mm-hmm. go and trouble the water mm-hmm. and as the first one that got in would be healed so now, that's it, what they believed just, and that it actually worked huh? it seems like it was really weird but that was the setting but there was this guy that as you mentioned that had been there for, you know he had had this infirmity for 38 years i don't know if he'd actually been at the pool for 38 years but Jesus saw him and recognized that he'd been in a condition a long time. And uh, he asked him this question, do you want to be made well? And, you know, the, the, uh, like, uh, the guy could have said, well, yeah, like, you know, seriously, like, duh. I mean, if, uh-huh. if I don't want to be made well, what do, you, what do you think I'm doing here sitting by right. this pool? Right. But then he, he said to the point, and he said, well, I, I can't get in the pool because uh-huh. Apparently he was crippled in some way, uh-huh. and he said, "I I can't get into the pool. As soon as the water gets troubled, someone goes in before me. I don't have anybody to help me get in the pool." Mm-hmm. 
So, so, uh, he, so, so he felt like he was just trapped. stuck. Mm-hmm, trapped, yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that, too, is when Jesus does ask a question of someone or makes a statement, and though his words may be few, sometimes they're very, very appropriate to the absolute. They hit the nail on the head. They go to the very uh, root of the problem. And for this man, after someone has been sick for that long, and some of you have been in an affliction for 38 years, um, it's, it becomes part of normal life for you. It becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of, you know, we don't even, we don't even consider there being a, a possibility of, for this man, whether he was physically not able to get in the pool because he was lame or maybe he was blind and he didn't see when the water was troubled and he could only hear about it when there was a rustling of other people diving in. So he would never, ever be able to make it. And no one was willing to sit with him hour after hour after hour for this uh, apparent random troubling of the water by the angels. So no one loved him that much. And even if they sat with him for hours and hours and hours, it's like, what's the guarantee? He's still going to get in first because there's many, many people who are, you know, living, living at that pool. At right. That place they're ready. They're ready to dive in. That was their, their hope. And, and this not only includes, do you want to be made well? It's a question that we're asking today. Do you want to be made well? It, it applies also to, not only physical illnesses. I mean, I, we know of a, a, a guy that, that was terminally ill for eight years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and God, after a long time with many, many surgeries, many, interventions, many, many mm-hmm. illnesses, many, many uh, medical treatments, on and on and on it went. God just miraculously healed him. Yes, and, and there's no doubt because this man was actually, they had actually unplugged him and he, he was off the respirator's. Uh, and and then he began to breathe on his own. So yeah, but the, so so this so it, even in the most hopeless physical conditions, God is able to heal, and He's willing also. But mm-hmm. we're not talking just about physical illnesses. We're talking about spiritual, emotional, uh, uh, relational situations right. as well. <clears throat> and so when you're looking at your condition, whether it's sickness of soul or sickness of mind or body or whatever it is, uh, and there's a lot of all of it. We have to ask our que- the question, well, why? Uh, what's, the, what's the reason? Why are, what's the, this is a curse. The Bible says the curse without a cause does not come. Um, what are the agreements that we are making with the lies that allow Satan to continue to bring or uh, continue to press this demonic judgment upon us? And until we come to the revelation, I think, believe when Jesus came to them, what he brought was, first of all, the revelation of hope and that Jesus is here, and Jesus changes things. Jesus makes things different. Everybody who's ever come into his presence uh, for healing was basically healed. I mean, no matter where and what and who and how, whether they were believing or not believing. And this man obviously didn't have a ton of faith. He had faith in the pool, but he didn't have any faith in Jesus. And he wasn't really even able to recognize when Jesus walked into his life that he had been very favored by God at that very moment. He didn't even see it. He didn't even get it. Well, he didn't, even, he didn't know who Jesus was possibly he would have heard of him. I don't know. But he didn't know who Jesus was at that point. And then Jesus just said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Right. And so Jesus, he had, he had no, no real knowledge of Jesus. Yeah. He had really no faith. Yeah. Jesus just came along. I think he was deeply moved in his heart. He had compassion on this man mm-hmm. and he made the declaration. He says, okay, get up your bed the thing that was carrying you now you can carry it mm-hmm. as a testimony mm-hmm. of, uh, of of the power of God that has uh, brought you into wholeness today. 
it kind of shoots down the theory of having enough faith. You know, this man had basically no faith. He basically had a bad attitude. He didn't know anything about Jesus. It, it wasn't one of the requirements that God was, was having at that moment him to have. He, Jesus just did it. And I think that's the, the good news is that sometimes people say, oh, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith or this isn't working because you're, you know, you've got sin in your life or whatever. Or sometimes, you know, we kind of agree with these sicknesses um, in some religious kind of perverted way, thinking, you know, it's my cross to bear. It's God's will that I be sick. But, you know, I really don't believe that because uh, let's look at the leper for a minute, the, the leper in Mark chapter three. Um, uh, is it Mark chapter three? And sometimes too, there. Before we go there, uh, sometimes we accept illnesses as we accept them. Right, that's part we, of the lie. We accept them. It's like okay, we believe a I'm lie. at work. Mm-hmm. Everybody's getting the flu. I feel like I'm getting a runny nose. Mm-hmm. I think I'm coming down with it too. Uh, we and get, we, we, we agree. Just, it. We, we just yeah. yield to it because well, everybody's sick. So I guess I've been exposed to it. So I I can be sick too, and it's. We just yield to it rather than mm-hmm. resisting and claiming the scripture God that, yeah. that God says that by his stripes, by Jesus' yes. wounds, Amen. we were healed. Yes, were. So in, active in, in Jesus Christ, there is healing. Mm-hmm. So rather, we, we accept the disease. We have to accept the sickness rather than receive and recognize the healing that Jesus has already provided for us. And this is hard to do. Actually, it's, it's easier said than done because of the way we've been trained uh, and the, the work of the spirits around us, the familiar spirits. But if you go into Mark chapter two, I think this or actually chapter one, verse 40, I think this is a very cool story. Um, I like the gospel of Mark because he's just full of action. He just keeps moving right along by the end of chapter one. He's already done a bunch of miracles, you know, and, um, <laughs> cast out demons and healed Peter's mother-in-law and now many, many healings. He says he healed them of many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Um, You know, so the thing is, and interesting enough, how there's a kind of a word combination here between healing and deliverance, casting out demons and people getting well. And we'll notice that in this uh, verse 40, where it says, then a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This is a paramount question in the, in the realm of healing. God, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, we always tag our prayers for healing with that kind of a catchphrase or that cover my basis kind of a, if it's God's will. And yet we see when Jesus was on the earth, the absolute epitome of God's will in the flesh walking around here, he healed everybody. There was nobody God wasn't willing to heal. And he didn't require them to have an astonishing faith or revelation of his truth or anything. But this man says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this is a leper. Can you imagine, just imagine for a second what he looks like. His whole body is covered with crawling, creeping, bleeding, oozing sores. And he has like been probably this way for a while. And there was no cure for leprosy in those days. They were uh, quarantined, isolated, and they, they were, would die. They were quarantined, isolated. They were commanded, you know, even actually in the law of God, to stay away. They were quarantined. Right, but somehow, because it's so contagious. This guy, you know, they were not interacting with the public. But here's this leper. There's a sign of faith here that he came to Jesus. He kind of, he had confidence. He would come out from his quarantine area. 
came to Jesus. Apparently, he knew about Jesus. He heard that Jesus was healing people, mm-hmm. uh, and and he came there and imploring him, kneeling him. He's he's taking courage, and people could have said, Ah, what are you doing? Excuse yeah. me. There's this un- there's this leper. He's here in public. What's he doing? I'm sure people were kind of scattering. The people mm-hmm. around Jesus were kind of scattering. Like here comes this leper, but. Um, yeah, but he says, if you are willing, yeah. you can make me clean. And this is the question. This is a big question, as you mentioned. Is God willing to heal us? Well, the it, con- it, yeah, it, it brings it, a confusion. If you don't know for sure that God is for you, that God is good, that God is with you, that this isn't God's perfect will for your life to be sick in the first place. Not to say we don't get sick, not to say sicknesses don't happen, not to say God isn't with us in the midst of them, not to say that you're a horrible sinner or have no faith because you're sick, not to say any of that. Because a lot of times we have a diabolical activity that goes on against our souls, against our bodies, against our minds, and God is with us in the midst of this conflict. But the confusion about God's will, you know, this man asked the direct question, if you are willing, are you willing, are you willing to make a, you know, and Jesus said, it was beautiful. Jesus didn't stumble around with words. He didn't say, what are you doing out here? You need to be back in your, you know, quarantine there. He says, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. It was like he was covered with the demon spirit of uncleanness, the leprosy spirit. And that spirit, when Jesus spoke, it just fled. And that's some healings are like that. They're more of a deliverance than they are healing because it was a demon that was holding it in place in the first place. And when the demon spooks, they run. And then the thing is immediately, completely and instantly gone. Other times healings come as a, re- as, as a result of repair, restoration, physical renewing of the body, etc. But this one seemed to be a demonic uh, deliverance. So what, what happens is sometimes we realize that um, we think I don't deserve healing. And, and, right. and it's not a matter of deserving. It's not a matter of our merit or our righteousness um, that brings the healing. That, so, but, so sometimes we think, well, I don't think the Lord will heal me because I really don't deserve it or I've done this or I've done that. But Jesus here is moved with compassion, and he actually does what nobody else would do. He touched him. Mm-hmm. How long had it been since this man had been touched mm-hmm. by, another, by human any, being. Yeah. another human another? Uh, how long since he'd received any kind of a, a human touch? He had been without being touched for so long. And, 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 and the touched him was a sign, really a sign from Jesus that I'm willing and it, and it doesn't say as soon as he touched him, it says as soon as he had spoken, mm-hmm. immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So, um, Well, the thing is, you're on you're onto something here, because I really believe that when we're talking about restoration or healing, and it doesn't matter what area we're talking, it can be your finances, it can be your marriage, it can be or you're wanting to get married, or it can be your children, it can be your health, it can be your promotion, whatever, whatever, whatever that is going on in your life that needs to be fixed, healed, encouraged, restored, uh, renewed, redeemed, whatever it is, that there is going to be a fight over that, that ground that God wants you to take back. God wants us to be well. God, why, that's, why is healing such a controversial subject these days? Because Satan has made it controversial because Jesus never... He he demonstrated he wants people well. So, but the problem the ba- the battle becomes in our minds, so to speak. It's like um, things like doubt. For example, with the guy thirty eight years, it's been so long. 
And then something, th- this is a very common lie that people agree with. It's simply, you, it's a familiar spirit. You're so, you've been with it for so long. It's been there for so long. You're just used to it. You accept it. You've adapted to it. You do things to, to live with it, uh, to placate it, um, take medicine, certain medicines or certain regimes or regiments or whatever you do just to, to get, get by with living with it. But, so the, the, the bottom line lie is this will never end. Um, this, and oh, another lie that people often accept very quickly, especially in the Western world, is this is a medical condition. I believe that in places of third world countries where they don't have so much medicine, they actually say, no, 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 this is a very spiritual condition and this is a demon. And so their resources to get rid of the demon, if they understand the Lord, are much more direct than ours because we go through our medical institutions, which actually make a lot of money and on our sickness and advocate really for the continuation of sicknesses and, and, and things that will make us sick and draw us into weakness and malady to pull us into the doctor's offices and then cause us to charge us more. So it becomes a vicious circle of, of defeating and dis- despair. So it's a medical condition in, in America. Oh, my goodness. The doctor said the diagnosis is that the tests show blah, blah, blah. And with that, we just we just sign off. OK, well, forget it. Then I guess I'm. I'm going to be, you know, I have MS, so I guess uh, that's what the doctor said, that uh, there's no hope for me. Well, what happens is we, we can accept the authority of the medical community rather than the authority of God and his word. And that's so, because, yeah, you're right, you're right. And, 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 and we're not saying that there is a place for medical care. There is a place at times for, for surgery and repairing broken bones and so forth. But we don't want to get into the system where but, we always get the worst-case scenario Mm-hmm. Of of what's going on, and then we what we do is we accept, in a sense, we accept curses. Mm-hmm. We accept the authority of the medical community, yeah. and it's not that necessarily they don't know certain things about the body and certain things about diseases. But the thing is, there is a higher authority, right. and that is God and His Word. And in the case here with this leper, mm-hmm. Jesus is willing to heal us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the doctor becomes the professionals. They become the gods who have the words that that lock us into. We come into an acceptance or agreement with those lies, and we have to be careful of that. How many times have they said to someone they and they have to give you basically the worst case scenario so that they don't you know get sued or whatever. But the thing is, it really sets you up. It sets up your mind for fear, and that's another thing people um, fail to realize that they that the love of God. God loves us. God wants us well. It's God's will that we be healed and be well. That's his perfect will. His permissive will has to go into operation when we have agreed with and, and you know, struck out on our own to believe uh, a lie. And so God has to allow us to operate in our free will, our free will, which has to force God then to operate into a permissive will, which then allows the devil to operate in his will, which is to bring sickness, bring separation, bring discouragement, bring disease, death, and destruction. And because we don't realize the spiritual spiritual battle that's going on between God and Satan, that we're kind of caught in the crossfire, we fail to realize that there is a choice we're going to have to make to believe whose report are we going to believe. Mm -hmm. So let's back up from healing. A lot of times the issue is, does the Lord want to heal me? Uh, How come I didn't get healed? Uh, Will God heal me? Uh, You know, why didn't come this has been going on so long? Sometimes there's conditions that go on for a long time and we just we accept them in a sense. 
rather than enduring in faith and believing, even though the condition hasn't visibly changed, we still have to kind of endure, endure in faith and believing for the healing. Behind, going back, uh, before divine healing, God has called us, and, and his desire is that we have divine health. Well, that's right. So health, so sometimes what we're doing is, okay, we're trying to catch the horse after the horse is broken out of the barn. Well, let's, let's keep the horse in the barn. There's ways of, you know, Christians talk more about divine healing in the, in the debates over that rather than divine health. Which means and obedience. I think many times mm-hmm. what happens is, is obedience to God. Mm-hmm. talks about Deuteronomy 28. Uh, we're not just talking about, you know, obeying the Ten Commandments perfectly, but the principles of obeying God will bring us into health. We'll eat what God has set provided for us to do everything that we can, uh, nutritionally, environmentally, all that stuff, to keep ourselves in health as much as possible. So that is, when, but when health breaks down, mm-hmm. then there's, then there's yeah. sickness, then there's the need for, for healing. But health is the first thing. And, and I think many churches uh, should really be talking more about divine, you know, health, what we can do to live, live healthy lifestyles rather than what we can do after we've kind of broken a lot of God's rules about nutrition and, and, and our spiritual mm-hmm. attitudes and so forth, which then we require healing. Well, so. you know, with God made our bodies, and they're, they're like the vessels that carry our spirits, our souls. It, it, the soul is the navigating software for the body. Uh, and the soul, of course, uh, it's just like a computer. You know, there's the hardware, there's the software. The software is like the data or the information that was written on the software. And so that's what runs the hardware. That's what causes the printouts. That's what's causing the, the words to appear, whatever. But our souls have been programmed through the environment, through the snake pit that we've been born into, to uh, live in fear, to know fear, fear, guilt, uh, and, and, you know, all of these things, control, it's up to me, got to take care of myself. And a lot of times people can go to error on either way to be overly concerned about health and nutrition and eating. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, they can be overly, you know, casual and, and, and reckless with it. But in the beginning, God made our bodies and he made them to be in covenant with him. Our bodies are simply, like I said, the vessels um, that God uses to carry our souls. Um, And our bodies function according to the truth. When our bodies are functioning according to truth, there is, and and actually the form of the cross, when we're in right authority, right obedience, alignment, submission to, to the Lord, that vertical beam of the cross, of authority and alignment is in place, then we have the, the, the first structure that we need. The second structure, when Jesus died on that cross, the second beam, the cross beam, was the beam of reaching out in relationship and love. And when we're in harmony and not in bitterness and unforgiveness and anger with our fellow beings, human beings, then we have health and we have healing. It comes in the form of a cross. But when, when our bodies were created by God, they're created to run in right frequencies, uh, right vibrations, uh, neurotransmitters, uh, electrical impulses, nano, uh, you know, uh, nano everything. Everything is tiny. Everything is very fragile and delicately balanced. And we have megahertz. We have frequencies in our bodies, and we run on a certain narrow band of uh, megahertz. And, and so if we're without, outside of that range, 
we're going to get sick. We're going to be vulnerable to illnesses. And, and just, you know, to, to lift off a little of the guilt, shame, condemnation, I did something wrong. We have to understand that even though we're very fearfully and wonderfully made, according to the covenant God made with us when he created us, that years of living in this planet of filth and lies and indoctrination and agendas and agreements with iniquity uh, and, you know, pollutions in the atmosphere and the water and the environment, the food, um, in conversations, in tweets, relationships, all of these things, we have been immersed in this, in, in an, a demonic, diabolical effort to manipulate us into a place of messing up our frequencies, messing up our health. Uh, and when people are not feeling well, uh, in the, we live in a nation, you know, we live in a place where, we're not well and everybody's sick and everybody's afraid and everybody's oppressed and the, and the chemtrails and the, and the everything else is oppressing constantly that it's going to take a, a whole lot of anchoring and grounding. If we're talking frequencies here, which we are, we're going to have to talk about a whole lot of grounding in the word of God. And, and so to keep yourselves in the love of God, in the truth of God is the only way to protect yourself in these days uh, from the, uh, onslaught of what Satan has tried to do to um, uh, drain us, uh, destroy us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, to the source of the soundness, the things that we need for our body. We need love. And, you know, the devil hits us with lies like it's your fault. You're guilty. That doubt thing comes in. The double mindedness is it God's will. Um, you know, th- th- there's so much. If you just stop for a second and ask God the question right now, what is the lie or the lies that I'm believing? Your body isn't going to lie to you. If you're sick, your body is telling you the truth, that you're doing something or that something is happening to you, maybe not even your fault, nothing you invited, that's happening to you that is messing with the, uh, the, the natural optimum sense of well-being and balance that God has created for your body to operate in. And so ask yourself, make this time a time of examination. And today as they have examination, say, God, please show me what are the lies fear is telling me? What are the lies guilt is telling me? Guilt says, I don't deserve to be healed. Um, you know, I did something wrong. As we saw in the, the uh, well, let's look at the, uh, the incident where Jesus healed the paralytic. And um, let's see, which jet, that's Mark, Matthew, where is that? Well, yeah, it's chapter two of Mark. I'm sure it's also in uh, Matthew nine. But when Jesus, the, the friends brought the paralytic and each one of these examples of healing, I think, is in the Bible for a certain reason. When you see that one, um, Jesus there, the friends were bringing this man on this bed. He was paralyzed. He, he was helpless. He couldn't help himself. He had people to help him. They went the second, third and fourth mile, tore off the roof of the building to get Jesus down in there. And when Jesus, verse five of, of Mark three uh, two, saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, now this is very important. Always read the exact, you know, read what is there. Don't read what you think you're seeing and don't read it too fast. Read what it says. He says several words, um, son, comma, your sins are forgiven you. Now, in this particular case, this would, you know, imply that this man was sick because he had sinned, which is a possibility because when the devil gets us to believe lies and sin, then he can bring a demonic judgment of sickness upon us. And I believe that this particular healing is talking to that issue. Well, yeah, exactly. So the, the issue is 
the, the underlying issue for all of this is is that we're believing lies and we're in sin. You know, it's just so just you know, healing is in a sense secondary to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, right, and, and, as we see here. Right, there's a Jesus addressed his spiritual condition, and 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 that's that's see Jesus always goes to the root of things. Mm-hmm. So he addressed his spiritual condition, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm sure that this man. Apparently, this man was living with some guilt that was really pressing on him, yeah. and and he he said, "Son, your sins are forgiven." You that is what he needed to hear more than the healing, and he saw their faith. I mean, yeah. not only the faith of the man being carried in, but the, the guys that were letting him down, yeah. breaking up the root. Faith was faith is visible. It was shown by their uh, actions. Right. It, it says, uh, "He said, I say to you." He says, "He says." And they questioned the people that were around him. Uh, they were questioning whether. Why do you reason about these things yeah. in your hearts? Yeah. Yeah. He said, well, I mean, you can forgive sin. And he said, yeah. He says, that same guy that says, rise up, take up your bed, rise up and go walking is, is the same one that has power on earth to forgive sins. sins. Right. So, and he took out the bed, went out in the presence of the mom. They were all amazed. And glorified God, saying, "We never saw anything like this." So there was a there was a root of of, of sin in this in this case, right. and and the healing took place. Now, another thing too, there was a time where there was this man that was born blind. Wait a minute, I got more to say on this one. Okay, that's okay. right. We'll go to that one. <laughs> Stay okay. here for a second, then we go to the other guy. Because yeah, because as we're seeing each example here is of a different issue or question that Jesus is addressing in the healing. Number one with the leper, you know, do you, is it your will or God? Yes, it's my will. Uh, the first guy, this, the 38 years in the pool guy, you know, it's been so long. Does that mean I can't be healed? It's never going to change. No. Here's the third question. You know, is my sin too much for, you know, well, am I going to be in this condition forever? When Jesus said to the paralytic, he said, son, the very first thing he was calling this man to recognize was to pull him back into the revelation of his identity and who he really was. He was yes. the son of God. And he obviously was some sort of a, a keeper of the law. I mean, it was important to him. Uh, but I believe that he was also paralyzed. Very, He had become rigid and, and judgmental, or maybe his own body couldn't function anymore, couldn't move because of the law. I believe he was very legalized or, or religious religionized because he he may, maybe felt he failed to keep some little tiny nuance of the law and now that was what the open door was satan used to get in saying now you're guilty and god's mad at you and he's going to judge you because you failed to um you know whatever on the sabbath or whatever whatever and so jesus is recognizing that sometimes our sins come upon us as uh as, as the spirit of guilt lays upon you um, tries to get you to agree with, I'm bad, I'm guilty, I'm no good, and I don't deserve healing. And those three agreements, I'm bad, will mess your immune system up. And uh, the rigidity, I believe, of the law caused this man's feet and legs and body not to move. His muscles were paralyzed. And so when Jesus called him back to identity, and then he says, your sins are forgiven you, now what other excuses do you have not to walk? You, I've already told you who you are. I've forgiven you your sins. And then, of course, you have the big controversy about whether Jesus has a right to forgive sins and how they were reasoning in their hearts and how they tried to find some fault with Jesus. But Jesus used the healing of this man to just uh, confirm his authority to forgive sins. Yes. 
And, and uh, so, but yes, yeah, so rise up once, what, you know, yourself, what is the lie guilt is telling you? I don't deserve this. Uh, where's that from? Is that the Holy Spirit telling you you don't deserve it, that? Like we said earlier, it's not a matter of deserving. It's a matter of God's grace and goodness, compassion yep. and mercy. Yep. And this man, when Jesus said, Sir, uh, son, your sins are forgiven you. Apparently this man had this consciousness of sin. Apparently he had been asking God to forgive him. Well, he must have. Because, uh, apparently there was a or heart. Or he felt unforgivable. Yeah, what, that something. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, th- that, was, that was in his heart. So, um, so we see that Jesus is beginning through these examples to answer a lot of the very uh, questions or, or uh, objections to healing that we ourselves have. Um, again, going back to the uh, guilt for a minute, um, you know, if I'm feeling guilty, I do not deserve. That makes it about me earning. That makes that takes it back to works. That takes it back to the law. That takes it away from grace and compassion, and the the power of the cross. It takes it puts it all back on my doorstep. I'm bad, and if I'm bad, and my immune system hears that I'm bad, then the immune system, which is created by God to protect that which is good and, and get rid of that which is bad, now you've declared you're bad. So your immune system is compromised and confused, and so it's beginning to give you a myelin, eat up the myelin sheath, and give you MS. It's, your, your your system is turning against you. And in this man's system, his physical anatomy system's God-given body that was supposed to be a, a blessing to him and a vessel to carry his life was now being turned against him through this guilt and self-guilt, self-blame, self-condemnation. It's like nobody deserves to be saved. Nobody can say, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm so good, I deserve to be saved. Nobody can say, I'm so good, I deserve to be healed. It's not, we said it before, we'll say it again, it's not a matter of our own merit. Mm-hmm. our own deserving. It's a matter of the grace of God. When we come to him and just simply believe, receive Rest. what he has mm-hmm. for us, that's where it is. It's it's in the goodness of God, not in our own goodness, that the salvation and the healing uh, come. Yeah. And when we're looking at the example, next example we'll go to is uh, John chapter nine. We're talking about Jesus heals the man born blind now, this man, uh, this is chapter 9, um, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, here's the question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So here's another um, typical traditional idea that this man is suffering as a result of either his sins or somebody else's sins. And it's a generational curse. And we see that a lot of times in people, too, that there's a, 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 a confusion about, you know, um, who's to blame here? You know, a lot of our, our maladies actually do come down the bloodlines. They're traceable. Uh, the uh, the um, the physical histories, the doctors ask you questions about, you know, members of your family, well, they died of this and that, and they had this and that. And, okay, well, then you got this and that too. Well, yeah, probably there has been a, a weakening of your DNA in that particular area because of the past judgments of the sins. But so the disciples asked the question, who sinned? And Jesus answered very clearly, very quickly, um, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God may be revealed, but that the works of God may be revealed in him. Um, so what he's saying here is he didn't say nobody had sinned. He just said this man and his parents were innocent of any sin. They may have been the victims of generational sins, three, four generations before that. Um, usually that is what happens. Um, usually people are not just randomly struck down 
Satan pretty much has to have some ca- claim or some cause um, that he presents before the court of heaven to be able to bring his, um, his, uh, his, his maladies against us, his judgments. Because he, remember in the, the story of Job, in the, in, he's always presenting his case, and he may have brought something against this man's generations because somebody uh, was uh, harsh or uh, judgmental or uh, they had a, a spiritual blindness or whatever, and he can then translate that to a physical a realm. Uh, many times, and this is just a note for those of you who might be interested in more of this, uh, if you go to Life Recovery, you can look up the case for healing uh, there's four different sections in that book, and one of the sections talks about their very interesting parallels uh, and, and uh, crossovers, if you will, between spiritual and physical situations. And a lot of times when, when Satan gets a person to sin in the spiritual realm, uh, I believe a lie. Actually, sin comes out of believing a lie. And once they agree with that lie, they come into agreement with that lie in the in the spirit realm, he can also then replicate that same malady in the body which we will we can talk about in a minute we can actually talk about some of those physical conditions that begin with an agreement in the spiritual world but this man um the generations not necessarily he, jesus didn't say no one had sinned he just said his parents had not sinned but there was and there is a, a, a reasonable question um in, in looking through this thing okay where is this coming from you know what is the lie that, um, you know, has come down my bloodlines? What is the sin that was committed? What were the crimes that were committed? Where is the unforgiveness? Notice Jesus forgave the last man, forgave peace to getting well. Because, number one, you may have to forgive yourself for believing a lie or for, for mistreating your body or for disobeying God's law and drinking too much of this or snorting too much of that or eating bad food. You may have to repent change your mind, confess your sin, and, and, and receive God's forgiveness because God understands the pressure that's, that's on us to believe these lies and to live under the counsel of these lies because this whole world is saturated with lies. There's nothing here that's true except the word of God and the Holy Spirit, basically, and, and the remnant of the church of Jesus Christ and, and Jesus' work in the midst of us. But So, go ahead. Yeah, forgiveness not only from God but you know, forgiving ourselves. And some people are mad at God, and God hasn't done anything wrong. So, so our minds need to be, uh, I think he needs to be adjusted to realize that God does not do anything wrong. And another thing, too, is, is forgiving one another. Because mm-hmm, longstanding right. uh, unforgiveness, bitterness uh, against uh, parents, pastors, uh, anybody, uh, that is a key element in healing. Um, confess your faults one to another, it says in First uh, John, mm-hmm. uh, and pray one for another that you may be healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's in James, pardon me, I believe yeah. James chapter five. But confess your fault. This is this is very important. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And uh, I just want to just an example early on in our Christian experience, there was a lot of you know back to the land hippies that were getting saved. And often, especially on, we had Sunday night services and very often people would um, just very, be very, there was a, a, re, a reinforcing atmosphere there where people were free to confess their faults one to another. And it wasn't just people just 
going on and on about this and that. But we just took that scripture literally, which we should do, and and prayed. People confess, you know, I'm really struggling with this. Mm-hmm. I've done this. Will you pray for me? And I'll tell you what, people found much, much freedom in that, in in, in mm-hmm. not only, you know, asking forgiveness in a group in a church right. setting. Uh, it's so so the church could be praying with you, and then also in forgiving mm-hmm. others. Jesus said, uh, forgive us our trespasses as what? We forgive. we forgive those who trespass against us. That is a key element because mm-hmm. forgive, unforgiveness and bitterness, it just really poisons our, our, our body, our system, right. our minds. Right. And it, it, it really affects our immune system. Mm-hmm. So we're more vulnerable to sicknesses and diseases and other kinds of infirmities. Because they're broken down. Right. Well, see, going back to the man in Chapter 9, um, Jesus is absolving him from that. I think there was a community uh, gossip, rumor, uh, you know, judgment upon him. And some of you are suffering from those community judgments. This man must have sinned. His parents must be bad, blah, blah, blah. Well, just think about it for a second. If this man were born blind, he would have had to have sinned, committed sin in his mother's womb in order to be uh, that for to be uh, an accurate uh, judgment against him. But how do you sin in your mother's womb? The only sins you can commit in your mother's womb are basically uh, agreements that we make with fear, and many of them are made in the womb, believe you me. But this, but so he was under a community judgment. A lot of times we are under that judgment of you know people gossiping, backbiting, talking about you behind your back. You don't know it. Things are being done, witchcraft spells, incantations put on you, over you, and you don't even relate that as a possible way that you might be, why you might be being afflicted. And I know for a personal fact in my own life that that is one of the ways Satan can afflict you is by, you know, well, we know this for in other people's lives, voodoo, magic, casting spells, um, you know, incantations, all these kinds of things. And, and one of those powerful things is the words that people speak about you, that words that you speak about yourself and words that people, other people speak about you. And of course, then holding grudges. But this man, so Jesus, uh, when he had said these things, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Um, so Jesus is about his father's business. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And of course, this man was blind and he couldn't see. Um, then he said to those, then when he said these things, he said, he spit on the ground and made clay from the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Um, and as he went and washed, he came back seeing. Now, this is a very unique way to heal. So God is saying there isn't one specific, you know, absolute um, formula for healing. It is addressing the issues as the issues need to be addressed. And I believe the generational curses are definitely one of the, the, the issues that need to be addressed. And to release a person from judgment, forgive them, uh, forgive yourself and forgive those who are putting judgments upon you. Because here's one of the other reasons that sickness and difficult conditions, uh, judgments, consequences, uh, ongoing, long-standing anxieties, fears, entrapments, why they're so effective and why they're so often used as they do is they create in us a distance and an estrangement from God because the devil begins to weary us and wear us out and we become uh, doubtful of God's presence, of God's goodness, of God's uh, ability to protect us or redeem us or to set us free. So we're, we're giving into it's you know the things that we've already mentioned. Uh, this 
is a condition that will never change. My life is over. It's changed my life forever. Uh, and, and we forget what God said. He said, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. A lot of times when we're going through a dark trial, a very, very difficult trial, and, you meet, and there are more and more and more and more and more of them that um, we lose our focus on the goodness of God and we begin to look at what it looks like instead of look at the word of God and get regrounded in the word of God. And some of these tests are very insidious. I mean, it, you know, some of them are, you know, straightforward. Uh, a man born blind couldn't see and because he couldn't see, he couldn't work. He couldn't live like a normal life. His life was very much dependent on other people. And um, of course, you know, sad, I'm sure, and unfulfilled and very partial in many ways. He wasn't experiencing the ability to, live his life to the fullness in this particular case. But then we have, on the other hand, we have people who have too adapted, way adapted too much to their conditions and they, they milk it. They, they, they don't, they don't really want to be well because it's easier to be sick. If I'm sick, then I don't have to take responsibility. I don't have to, um, nobody can expect anything of me. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got some exemptions on my life here, uh, which, you know, justifies, me not getting up and getting off the couch and, 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 you know, doing whatever God wants me to do. It's kind of, we look for the, the easy way out. I'm not saying we're lazy. I'm just saying sometimes we get tired and sometimes, you know, the devil presents that as an option. Well, you know, take the excuse, use the opportunity, um, pretend like you're sick or be sick and uh, you can take a vacation. It's an escape. You don't have to go to work today, whatever, whatever. Now, these things are temptations. The, the devil puts temptations in our minds as a thought, a lot of the thoughts you think you thought are actually demonic temptations that he is trying to get you to agree with so that he can go uh, and bring it to its, its, its conclusion, its demonic destructive conclusion. And so we, but we don't realize, you know what, not every thought I think is my own. What are the, what am I thinking? Who's putting that thought there? Deliver us from evil. And part of that evil is the temptations to believe lies. Well, yeah, and you know this. This man, Jesus asked that question. Going back to John chapter five, do you want to be made well? Uh, a lot of people just basically want to live in making excuses uh, for their condition, or, or blaming others for their weakened and, and sad condition in their lives. You know, and and there's a couple things here too that when a person has gone through some difficult times in their life, you can understand why the way they are, why they are the way they are. Okay. But then there are people that because they've gone through these difficult situations in their lives, continue to use those as excuses and they don't really want to be made. Well, they're just locked in this man that was there for 38 years locked in this infirmity and, and just almost had had a little bit of hope, but almost. And you know, when he got healed, he had no appreciation because he actually went, got Jesus in trouble. And the guy in, in John chapter nine, the blind guy, they tried to get him in trouble and tried to, you know, they called him on the car, but they actually kicked, they kicked him and his parents out of the, well, why do you suppose anybody would be so upset with somebody getting healed or they'd be so uh, persuaded by the influences of their their, their culture or their people, mm-hmm. their Pharisees, to actually not be thankful, not be grateful. Maybe they did not yet sink in or they realized 
that they were actually free because they had no other lifestyle they knew. They didn't know what it would like, be like to live free and, you know, go to work and, you know, have a normal life. And well, it, here, here's, here's some excuses. I'm just going to give you a list of these and you can comment on these here. Some excuses some people make uh, for the way they are. Uh, my parents didn't understand me. My father abused me. My husband left me. My kids rebelled against me. My friend betrayed me. My heredity determined me. Mm-hmm. The church didn't take care of me. The pastor hurt me. Nobody helped me. Nobody helped me. God disappointed me. So there's just some just kind of representatives. Well, those are uh, very uh, much of, the of temptations. Excuses, yeah. Temptations to just uh, make excuses. Decide mm-hmm. as to why we don't want to be well. It's like, and they know, have to be out of the way. We have to get those things. The, the Lord, I should say, has to highlight those things and then give us an opportunity to reject the, the lie right? and cancel it out and declare. I mean, seriously, cancel. I say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for believing the lie that uh, it was, you know, my parents' fault. The pastor did this. No doubt. Probably Satan did use them. No doubt to do something. No doubt. So if that's the case and there's a crime committed against you, then you need to turn that crime over to God and forgive them and say, Lord, God. Because, see, the, the bottom line, what Satan is trying to do here with all this rigmarole and excuses and sickness and whatnot, is to get us to not love God, to believe God mm-hmm. does not love us. It's really, mm-hmm. it's all about separating us from the love of God. And Romans says, 8 says, what, who can separate me from the love of God? Uh, nothing can separate me. There's one thing not in that list, though, if you read through the whole list. The one thing that can, that can separate us from God is my own self. Um, that that's not in the list. He's got nothing can separate me. The devils can't do it. Uh, let's start with that here. Um, verse 31, 831. What then shall we say to these things? What things? Well, let's put in there whatever you want to put in there. Your sickness, your broken life, your financial ruin, whatever. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God did not hold back his own son to, um, in the, in, in, as the solution, the, the Savior, the remedy for the sins of the world, for our lost condition, for the fact that we were all on our way to hell. God did not hold back his son. His son did not hold back himself. They freely gave that we might have what we, the relationship restored with God. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies so Satan is going to try to make all these accusations against you to make you feel guilty, bad, afraid, no good, it's your fault, blah, blah, blah. But none of that's going to move God because God knows the truth. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of, of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword well, Paul would say to that, absolutely not. He's been through all that stuff, and he still loves God with all his heart. As is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. There's a, on the other side of this, this you know, condition of you know, uh, sickness and disease and distress is the process of refinement and the refining of our faith. But he says, yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that, here we go, neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, any dimension actually, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Okay, so nothing created, nothing in the dimensions, nothing in the unseen world, no principalities, powers, angels, nothing, can separate us from the love of God. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God is our agreeing with the lie. Because if you're going to court, and who's, who's being tried here? Well, you say, I'm, you know, the devil's accusing me. Well, he's accusing God. He's saying, God, you can't keep them from bitterness. You can't keep them from guilt. You can't keep them from despair. I got them. They're going to believe this lie that you don't love them. You're no good, blah, blah, blah. And so if you and I agree with guilt and fear and the accuser of the brethren, even in the judgments and uh, pronouncements he's making upon us, if we agree with those, when that is not the judge's will, God is good. He wants you free. Whom the sun sets free is free. His whole thing is about freedom. If the judge wants you free, but you're going to go with fear and guilt and a prosecutor and you're the defendant and you've agreed with the prosecuting attorney in your case against you, then what in the world is the judge going to do? So you and I are the ones who will determine whether or not God is vindicated in this matter or not, because Satan wants to destroy us to prove to God that God didn't have what it took to keep us to keep us in the truth, to keep us in the hope, to keep us free, to set us free, to walk in health. See, does God get more glory out of you being sick or being well? Does God get more glory out of you, you know, dying or living? You know, there is an appointment unto death. No, I'm not saying there isn't. There's one time, there's an appointment unto death, where is it appointed man wants to die and then the judgment. But the rest of the times, God is not appointing that. God is appointing you to prevail. And so, again, going back to the the simple analogy of a parent, does a parent, you know, the will of God, do you like to have your children be sick or confused or uh, beaten up or bullied or because it somehow uh, pleases you? It doesn't, it's it's not God's will. He has no pleasure in our being beaten up and overcome and and, you know, living under the counsel of the whip of Satan and the demonic judgments of being sick. Um, that's not God's, he doesn't take pleasure in that. That doesn't glorify him. What glorifies God is to be able to deliver you. What glorified Jesus in these moments of healing here was to, to see the person rise up and walk, to see them be able to see, to see the leprosy go, to see the, the, the issue of blood be driven out, to see the demons be cast out. This was part of the, uh, the endorsement of the father in the authority of the son to do these things. It was a, it was a direct father son endorsement, but to bring glory to Jesus, but also to bring very good things to the very broken down people. Exactly. And if we can just, you think of Romans eight twenty eight that in all things, God is working together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If it, it's the old, the old little saying about transferring lemons into lemonade, in other words, all these things and these painful, difficult things that we've gone through and experienced in our lives, let's let's take those and what God is doing, he's creating a story in us mm-hmm. and it's his story in us. It's creating a testimony. Sure, you've been through all these difficult things, but what is God wanting to do that with that? He wants you to redeem that. So if you, if you had your, um, for example, your father abused you when you were a child or something, that understanding of what it's like to go through that can be used by God for you, you know, to help other people who are going through that situation. So he's turning all these things into a testimony, into your life story that can be used for the glory of God. So we have to look at things that way. And even though we're going through things at the time, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is really terrible. 
I don't know how could God ever use us, but the perspective will come later on. And there it's, it's a bank. It's God is building an arsenal of, of testimony in your life that he can use to help extend the kingdom of God in helping and encouraging and loving other right. people. It's like God is building us and, and bringing beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And God is working in partnership with us. And, and you know, it's, it's really a, a truly a dependency. We're absolutely dependent upon God. And if you're sick today or in, in a weary place, um, tortured, trapped, I think some of the more insidious assaults against us now are more mental almost than they are physical uh, with people who get very depressed very sad, you know, this is, a, this is a, an oppression of Satan, uh, entrapment for, you know, pain, panic, uh, being overwhelmed, uh, confused, don't know where to turn. There, some people have so many things wrong with them on so many different levels that they, they're just, they don't even know where to turn. Some people, they look like and appear like there's nothing wrong, and yet their minds are totally uh, entrapped. They're, they're overwhelmed, they're panicky, they're afraid. There, just don't go by appearances. An attack against you from the enemy is an attack against you, whether it's in your your frequencies or in your uh, your biochemistry or in your pocketbook. So we're going to ask Jesus right now to um, reveal Himself to you, Father God. We thank you that in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That you are good. That you are good all the time. That you do not take pleasure in uh, these kinds of things being against us, Lord God. You take pleasure in healing, delivering, restoration, Lord God, in your will being done, which is a will to bless and to reveal truth and freedom. So today, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, and believe you me, most of the people listening, I'm sure, are going through something because it's just the day we're in, that you, Jesus, Son of God, would reveal yourself through your Holy Spirit to them. Show them what is the lie or the lies that they're believing that allows this malady to continue, that have locked them up and bound them in this fear and this sickness and this being alone, feeling so alone, unloved, um, like they're, they, um, they have to do this, but they can't do this, and there's no one there for them, no one who understands, and it's too hard. Lord God, I pray that you'd undergird each one today through your word, through your spirit, Lord God. You just speak but the word, the centurion said of his servant, just speak the word and my and my servant will be healed. Just speak the word, Lord God, and our souls will be healed. Lord, one word from you changes everything. I mean, isn't that amazing, Lord, that one word from you. So please, Lord God, we pray today that you will not withhold those words and revelations to us, but instead we would be girded, brought up, healed, set free. And many that are hearing this program be just immediately, immediately set free of their malady, whatever it is, whether they need a physical healing uh, or an emotional release, Father God, that you drive out the spirits we bind and forbid those spirits that have held them hostage in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls, in their circumstances. We cut them off with the sword of your word. We ask Jesus that you'd pluck them out as we cast these things down, cast them out, send them to the pit, Lord God, and ask that you'd restore release unto my brethren, our sisters and brothers, those listening, release hope and deliverance, and just a renewed mind, Father God, a renewed mind and a heart and spirit, in Jesus' name. And I say to you that are listening today, uh, rise and take up your bed and walk. That infirmity that has been upon you, whether it's physical, moral, spiritual, whatever it is, whatever's been hindering you, it's time to get up and walk. And Jesus is declaring it. And, and even though you've been in a 
case and a situation for a long, long time. Jesus is here right now with you. And he is saying to you and he's calling you by name. He knows your name. He knows your heart. He knows your condition. He says, it's time to get up and walk. It's time to just, you know, the man at the pool of Bethesda was carrying his bed. What He carried what carried him as a testimony of, of, of the healing that Jesus had brought to him. And so God wants to bring your life, bring you into that powerful place of testimony Amen. about the goodness and mercy and power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to him, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So he gave a warning there as well. So I pray, Father, for everyone that's listening, that they will just receive the truth, the truth, the healing, the wholeness, the strength to move from where they are into what you have for them, Lord, in the days to come. And I just pray this now in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Join us next week. And please send uh, an information tweet to some of your friends. You can get us on Life Recovery, Inc. on your on the tweet or liferecovery.com. Uh, the website and The Case for Healing is the book we were talking about today. Also, True Light Church at mn.org. True Light Church, mn.org. God bless you 10 all. AM, 10 a.m. each Sunday at the Dayton Activity Center. Yep. God bless. I have an emergency.